Welcome to Money for Average Joes, a 12-part series on personal finance. I'm your host, Jason Weaver, an average Joe. And today's episode, episode eight, is deciding when is it time to rent and when is it time to buy. And I always pull from the best podcasts and online resources out there. So today I've assembled a checklist for you, a mathematical formula that can help you shortcut things a little bit, and some suggestions on your mortgage duration and payment plans should you decide to move forward with getting a home. And as a quick refresher, episode seven was all about how to pick the best college or education for yourself and how to pay for it. Because when you can make some more money, you can have better choices when it comes to your living situation. And of course, all this is so you can live better and have more money for when it matters most. All the gurus agree. It's not very controversial. It's just a fact. When you go to get financing to buy a home, you will find out that the banks are willing to give you way too much money. You should not buy a home for the amount that they're willing to finance you for. It is a death trap. And it's called being house poor, where you have too much money into your home so you can't afford even furniture inside or everyday emergencies or anything else like that. So there's some good rules of thumb that I'm going to cover for you. And one thing that is a little controversial for people is whether you should buy a house that you can grow into over the next five years or buy the most affordable home you can stand or, you know, just rent for a while. So hopefully you'll feel a little more comfortable as I go through this with you so that you can make those decisions. So here's a quote from the free personal finance course put on by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For long-term financial stability, your monthly mortgage payment should not exceed 25% of your monthly income. And then you can use that same rule of thumb for renting as well, even if you have to roommate up. Uh, And, you know, in other countries and also in the bigger cities in the United States, that's actually very common now for couples to have to roommate up too, because you might not make enough, especially in your younger years, right? So I've got this also helpful checklist from the church. And let's go through it to see if you can tick all these off and decide whether you should buy a home or not. Am I free from consumer debt? Do I have a three to six month emergency fund? Am I living on a budget? That's hard for many people. And do I know how much payment I can comfortably afford? Stick to that 25% rule and factor in the fact that you have to pay for your own trash and electricity and all that stuff inside that 25% if possible. Have I saved enough money for a down payment? And I'll talk about that at the end. What, how much is that? Do I have stable employment? That one's always tough, right? And this one might be one of the toughest ones of all. Do I plan to own the home for at least five years? Now, there's plenty of times where you buy a house and the market just goes up, 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 and it was great. But for the most part, you can't time the market when you buy a home. And so things seem to level out and be okay on average over five years. So the worst thing is your house value goes down, you need to move within a year, and then you've got to take that hit when you sell your home in multiple ways. And it really compounds. It's terrible. So a lot of people end up having to rent their house, um, you know, instead of sell it. And then the last one on the checklist is, can I afford the additional cost of maintaining and insuring my home and paying property taxes? So that one's pretty important, of course, and that one's a little hard. So you might have to ask around how much property tax people are paying or insurance and whatnot, but you can figure it out or guesstimate. I'm sure there's some good online resources too. 
out there that can guesstimate what you're, you would pay. And here's another quote from the church's resources. When you own a home, you are responsible for the maintenance. Things break, wear out, and sometimes need updating. Financial advisors generally recommend saving at least 1% of the house's value. And I paraphrased a little bit, paraphrased, uh, for maintenance. Okay. Before I dive deeper, I want to mention my bonus opportunity for you. So essentially, moneyforaveragejoes.com slash bonus has an opportunity for a one-hour clarity call with myself. We basically go over, you know, like a coach helping you. We go over where are you at on this financial roadmap? Have you missed anything along the way? And then we get out the one-page money goal worksheet. And you can basically, in each one of these categories, set a goal either with yourself or your spouse, right, as well. And you can, you know, start shoring up where you've missed things on your roadmap and also set some goals, including even vacation goals if you want to. And that way you can be able to feel more confident about where you are now, where you're going and start making progress. But I've also just created a money resource page. So it's moneyforaveragejoes.com slash money dash resource is. So it has an S. And... On that page, and if you just go to moneyforaveragejoes.com, you can get to both those pages in the menu as well. I have all these great resources. Where do I feel like this podcast and the course that I've created fill in the gap on your on your money knowledge and education? And then where are some other great resources, gurus, helpful people? Where can they fill in some gaps for you on specific needs? Or also just like, you know, are you... Um, you know, have, do you have several of these things ticked off, you know? Um, and then one thing I thought was really helpful as I read the book, money, your money or your life. And, uh, you know, I'll have to say just in general that it's a little political or controversial in some ways of, you know, how you have to live your life and reduce your footprint and things like that. But as far as money management and advice, superb. And uh, I hadn't actually thought of this or realized it. And I, can't believe I haven't already, but they gave this idea of charting your income from your job, income from your investments, your expenses, and I'm assuming your debt if you're stuck in that situation as well, and seeing if you can grow the gap between your income and expenses, that's your saving rate or your ability to invest, right? And also, of course, if you're stuck in debt, if you can get that to go down faster, you can just see monthly, chart it every month, see where are you? Are you making some progress? Are you struggling a little bit? That's great. But, you know, are you still working at it? It obviously helps you, you know, focus on where where you are now and where you want to go. And then, of course, there's always that crossover point everybody talks about of, hey, if my investments make more money than what I spend as uh, expenses, then I technically have what's called financial freedom And, uh, you know, some people in the fire movement, for instance, want to retire early. And so I have some other great resources on there, like Two Cents um, from PBS does a YouTube series. That's great. You might see that I I intertwine some of that throughout the course as well, because the education is really superb and awesome. In my opinion, it's all fire movement methodology and mentality, but still very along the same lines of what I believe and what helps people in general, what's been proven for many, many years. And so you should definitely check out the money resources. And uh, if you're lost or you want to just check in and see where you're at, you should check out the bonus 
for the one hour clarity call as well. And then I should just mention in general, I am not affiliated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Dave Ramsey, or anybody else I mentioned on the show. These are just some of the great resources that I found I'm going to share with you. And then in general, you if you have a spouse, you have to take a course with your spouse, whether it's put on by Dave Ramsey for some money or it's free from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or you find another one that's great out there because you have to kind of get in alignment with your spouse and you have to then take the resources that I share and others are share and kind of work those into that core of that communication with your spouse and agreement on your plan. So this might be a touchy subject for some, a bit controversial, but when you get financing for a home and you don't actually pay for the home 100% down with cash, which some people are able to do, and it is a really great idea if you can do that, even suffer for a few years and then do that, it's really, really great for you financially. Um, but some people misunderstand why people are trying to push you into a 15-year mortgage so so much. And it's because you're going to pay a lot of interest. In the very first few years that you're paying on your mortgage, most of what you pay is going straight to interest, isn't paying down your debt, which means that's more interest that you have to pay over a longer period of time. And it is very significant. If you crunch the numbers with any mortgage calculator or, or finance planner or anybody or coach like myself, uh, you're going to see the the numbers are really going to hurt you the longer that you're into this. But a 15-year mortgage is not for everybody. So the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, unlike Dave Ramsey, is saying you can pay a little bit extra on your mortgage every month if you want to. Now, Dave's going to come back and say, hey, most people don't do that. I think most people don't do that because they don't know about it and they don't make it automatic. Like when I set up my house payment, I just was always paying something like $90 more a month to, to round up. And it really didn't hurt me much financially, but for my mortgage, it's going to shave off like, I don't know, five years of that 30 year mortgage. And so I'm hoping here when my debt's all gone in a couple months, all my car debt will be gone. All my consumer debt's gone. And then all I have left is just this house to pay for with my wife and kids then we want to start paying a little bit more, maybe $200 a month more on my, our mortgage, which was shave off a couple more years. So we won't have done the 15-year the plan, but even if it's 18 years, that saves us an incredible amount of money, right? And so one thing that's also helpful to understand is there are some guides out there, and money.com created a really, really cool guide. I think it's awesome. It's interactive, state-by-state, state, and in my state of Idaho, I was able to click on it. The, the The resource or article is called the salary you need to buy a home or the salary you need to buy an average home in every state. And I'll include that link. Um, if you go to the course and get access to it on moneyforaveragejoes.com. And for Idaho, it says you need an income of $70,000 and $780 on average between you and your spouse. Um, the median income in Idaho is less than $60,000, and the median home price is $314,000. Now, I live in a more rural, rural part of Idaho, so my median income it, home price is actually less than that. But you might just keep those kind of numbers in mind when you're looking at home prices and whether you can afford it, because that can be really helpful when making that decision as well. I promised a shortcut formula 
to help you decide whether you should rent or buy. And you might have noticed by the end of the show, we're not done yet, but pretty close, that I haven't talked much about renting, okay? And there's a lot that could go on there, but I think most people at some point in their life are going to want to buy. And uh, I just want to help you feel more secure or understand all the things that I even miss before I buy a home. And I, I wish I had checked off everything on that checklist. But uh, at least one thing I had in my favor is this thing called the price to rent ratio. And I learned about it from moneytherapy.com. Two cents has done a really amazing video that includes, you know, this same ratio that'd be helpful. And essentially, here's an example. I won't even give you the formula because it's way easier to understand in an example. So say you want to buy a home that has, you know, whether it's four bedrooms or whatever, you figure it out, it's $200,000, okay? Then you go and look online and say, what would it cost for me to rent a, a, a similar home that's four bedrooms or whatever, two baths, similar home, right? So it's basically 200000 divided by $1,000 a month in rent, right, times 12, so if you're doing the math equation, you do a thousand times twelve. That's you know twelve thousand dollars, and you take the two hundred thousand divided by twelve, and what that equals is sixteen point six. And then there, there's this little kind of like key that you need to go back to and reference. Okay, if I'm a sixteen point six, then I'm right on the edge, basically, of should I rent or should I risk a buy. Okay. And so you're, you're in the middle at that point and you're, you're closer towards better to buy than rent at that situation. So the key is one to 15 better to buy in most situations, as long as you're planning on being there five years, right on average. And then if you're in that middle land where most people are going to be stuck 16 to 20, 20 being the closest to it's better to rent, right? And buy 16 being the closest to it's better to um, buy than rent, then you're going to have to make a tougher decision. The, the numbers don't really speak in your favor, right? And then, you know, 21 or more is it's very clear. I think at that point, it's better to rent than buy. And this may not completely make sense to you. There's other podcasts I've listened to that's kind of helped me understand this as well. But, you know, like take a bigger city. The prices for renting don't always go up, and sometimes they're regulated. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. I've heard now that it's regulated. They can only increase their rent so much. But home values are based on perception, right? And those values can go way, way, way up, whereas rent doesn't always go up at the same rate or can't now that it's regulated, right? And so that works in your favor to rent, uh, and hurts you when buying, right? So this ratio can be used nationwide anywhere and can help you understand, okay, look, this is, I mean, if you're on that checklist and you run this and it says you need to rent and the checklist is like, I've only done three out of those seven things or whatnot, then it's clear guys, don't buy, you have to rent, right? But also on money therapy, there's a couple other good rules of thumbs out there and it's kind of hard to find all the rules of thumbs for this because there's it's so controversial but be prepared to factor in two to five percent for closing costs to buy a house uh, home inspection might be 300 400 by the time you do it i don't know 
It's not too expensive, but you're going you're gonna to need that much. And then plan to put 10 to 20% of home value down to, to avoid being underwater. Okay. And that comes from scottallenturner.com. He's a great resource as well. And then another thing from Scott is uh, for a mortgage payment that's 15 to 20% lower than your current rent, that is also a good rule of thumb because you're going to have to pay for more things. And excuse me, that comes from grow.acorns.com, not Scott Allen Turner, though he has great resources as well. Well, that's a wrap for today. So please go to moneyforaveragejoes.com, get the show notes, and most importantly, the access to the Nine Principles course online for free by subscribing. Put in your email or chat me. You'll get access to it. And just remember, by educating yourself and applying what you learned today, you'll gain new skills and have more fun and hopefully more money for when it matters most. Please take the time to subscribe on your favorite podcast channel, to share it with somebody So that way you can retain this a little bit better. And just remember the show is for general education purposes. I'm merely a financial coach. I'm not a certified advisor or planner. And, you know, frankly, in a lot of ways, I don't necessarily agree with all the advice that they give, especially if they take an ongoing percentage of your investment, unless they can get outsized returns for you. And most 95%, 99%, I don't know what the number is, but it's way, way too high that they do not get outsized returns for you. Uh, so I don't agree with that. And just remember, I have not reviewed your situation. So this episode is not considered personal financial advice. I'm Jason Weaver, money for average Joes.com. Have a great day and I'll see you next time.